At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. to check your feelings at the door check it out check it out this is am i reister or am i wrong we're bringing you facts and only the truth now am i reister or am i wrong i'm george reister he's ralph amden and this is reister or wrong the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet the truth absolute fire mondays wednesdays and fridays facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door before you even show up and if you want to get a hold of us you guys can do so 818-293-7547 that's 818-293-7547 or shoot us an email i'm mad at unafraidshow.com um so we have a few emails and text messages from today that we are going to address but on track today is it still fair to call Paul George pandemic P? Is Devin Booker really like Kobe? I believe instant replay is terrible and I hate it. And critical race theory has been a topic of discussion in our country, but now it has gone into the military and we've actually had somebody smart say something smart about it. And of course, cancel or consequence and the best of social media. 
So I guess, Ralph, we'll start with that Phoenix Suns 104-103 victory against the Clippers. And, dude, I can see your chest. It is going to rip through your shirt. You, you, my friend, are you're you're now part of the winners. So how are you going to deal with the fact if you actually go from a a destitute uh, team cheer for guy to an actual winner? I don't know. I've never been here before. Maybe maybe when the uh, um, the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in 2001, which was a tough which actually prepares me for this quite well, because there were a lot of people saying that the Diamondbacks like robbed America that year because it was just after 9-11. The Yankees were in the World Series, and they were supposed to do it for New York. Now uh, there's all these injuries, and everybody's accusing the Suns of being lucky and saying this championship will have an asterisk if they win it. So maybe I have been prepared a little bit in the past, but right now I'm just enjoying the ride, man. It's fun to watch games with a chance to win. These last 10 years, there have been a lot of first quarters where they were down 30, and it's like, I got to shut this off for my own mental health. (laughs) So And... um, yeah, but I'm 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 having a good time, man. I think the every time the Suns win, I get an inch taller. That's why I, on the screen right now, I'm head and shoulders above you. <laughs> Dude, I tried to call Ralph last night after the game. His phone was going straight to voicemail. I was like, "Yo, man, it, it's gonna be." He's super excited. It's probably gonna be another little little Amsden running around here in ten months if they win the championship. <laughs> They're gonna have another hey. baby. It's cool to be. It's also cool to be watching um, games with my wife again because her whole perspective on this is like, don't waste my time with a bad product. Yeah, and I I know for a fact that that's the right way to go about this. I've wasted a lot of time on a lot of bad teams, and you know when we got married, we got married in the during the 06 playoffs, and that was big time, and that was a lot of fun watching games with her. And now she's back around because the Suns are good again. So. Uh, it, it feels good to be watching games with my wife for sure. So, are you judgmental of Aaron for being a front runner then? No, because I understand it to some extent. Um, when we had, so I used to watch probably 150 of the 162 Diamondbacks games a year. When we had kids, and we had our first two kids back to back, real quick, I dropped it down to picking one starter. And I would watch that one starter in his 30 starts. And if he got injured, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't watch. That was typically Brandon Webb. And then when we hit kid three, I had to give up baseball because you just can't, you can't keep up like that. I had to watch the highlights. I had to follow on social media. Um, are you, is it my pixelation that you're laughing at? Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's happening. <laughs> I don't know what turned me into a Picasso painting. I don't understand this. Dude, I was sitting here looking at you. I was like, what in God's name happened to Ralph? I can't. I don't I don't understand what's happening. It's like the Suns can be good or my camera can can work. And I guess the Suns are good, so this is what I look like now. So who (laughs) I thought this I thought this shit was on your end. I was like, man. George is George's messing because I said I was taller. Now this is George getting back at me. Uh, so you guys, though, while we're waiting on Ralph's pixelation to get fixed, so Bro, those 
those colors that are pixelated, like they don't even exist in the camera frame. <laughs> Dude, it's like the fans are taping. Uh, me and the homies, our little joke is, yo, man, hey, yo, man, you always got to be careful what, you, what you're talking about because the, the fans are always taping. No fingerprints, man. And you, you my friend, you look like you were uh, yo. at a... <laughs> You look you look like you were at a at a drag competition. <laughs> you know, like first of all, I feel like I, I'm in wit- witness protection. I feel like I can say whatever I want right now. I know that's not the case because you got my name underneath there. But you should probably kick me out and, and, and bring me back on and see if that helps while you while you get us to the next topic because this is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, all right. Let me let me let me dump Ralph out and see if that helps, bro. This is incredible. All right, so uh, the next thing up though is what happens. Well, should we still call pandemic call Paul George pandemic P? Should we still be allowed to do that? And me, for one, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that he was going to be called Pandemic P, and we got Ralph back. I knew that he was still going to be called Pandemic P because, like, granted, he went on an eight to two run at the end of the game. But then when it comes down to it, he's an 86% free throw shooter in the playoffs, 85% in the regular season, and he went five for 10 a day and missed two free throws when it mattered the most with, like, what 27 seconds left to go on the clock that's unacceptable be- behavior and all of that good work he had done the last four games to to shut everybody up he was on the verge of shutting everybody up and then here comes and then he found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory you're probably right um I, without him on the court that it got ran by 30 and so it's tough for me to say anything negative about Paul George right now. What's interesting is I really thought he had a good game in game one, and then they threw his stats up there. He was 10 for 26. Yeah. No, so he, he hasn't shot the ball efficiently at all. He's nailing those threes. But they, they have some guys on their team. Like Marcus Morris is shooting that like elbow 11, 12-foot fadeaway. That's missing every single time. They gotta, they gotta try to do something different. Like th- when they get the ball down to Zubach down low, like he, he looks like he can do some damage. They just gotta figure something else out besides Paul George. Um, you know, I was told Reggie Jackson was gonna be a major force in this series, and he, he hit some threes, but it didn't really do much else. Um, they're just, they're not whole without Kawhi Leonard, and you could make the same excuse for the Suns, but somebody else stepped up for the Suns. In, in, in the form of campaign. And so what, what I feel, the person I genuinely feel bad for, because we've, we've seen time and time again, Paul George can take the abuse from anybody who dishes it out. He's going to show up. He's going to do his thing the next game. The person I feel bad for is Nick Anderson, because Paul George missed two free throws that probably they wouldn't oh. have put the game away because the Suns was it still would have been a one possession um, situation, but 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 everybody was calling him Nick Anderson after missing those two free throws, and I just feel bad because Nick Anderson been out of the NBA for 15 years, minding his own business, and every time somebody misses a free throw, his name gets brought up. He was a lot more than just a couple of missed free throws, but you see what that kind of stuff can do to your legacy. 
Yeah, and I, I'm sitting here like I, I'm watching Paul George turn back into Pandemic P, and I thought it was fair that they called him Pandemic P. I, I but there, there's also a part of me that understands that this dude is a human being. His kids are going to get made fun of that. His wife, his family, all all of this, because one of his cousins was at my house last night while this was happening. And and when the Internet meme started, she was just like, oh, God, I know I know what's coming. And it's frustrating to see that happen to your family member. But it's not like it's not warranted. Like he brought this on himself. Like there were two Two critical mistakes that he made. Number one, when he was like, yo, yo, y'all, y'all ain't seen playoff P yet. So he gave himself a nickname. You give yourself a nickname, you then raise the level of expectation. First thing. And the second thing he did was when he in the bubble last year, when Damian Lillard missed those two free throws and him and Pat Beverly acted like it was a fucking uh, that they were at Def Comedy Jam. That was the second thing that that elevated like people's desire to see him fail. Because then he went out and didn't play well. And then they turned playoff P into pandemic P that that name because we were in a pan- pandemic. And it was probably largely by started originally by people who either supported Damian Lillard. Or by Lakers fans. That's who started Pandemic P. But he's the the impetus of it was by him. So who can you blame in this situation? I mean, Paul George got to take some responsibility. He's getting affected by some of this stuff. This is my theory. Because last night, he put his shoulder on offense. He put his shoulder into everyone. Yep. And he got to the point where, like, the we'll, we'll get into the officiating here in a second, but it made it harder to officiate because the game was flowing just fine. All the unnecessary physicality came from one accident of Pat Beverly trying to get up in Devin Booker's business. They both ended up covered in blood, right? Um, and Paul George was out there just running into people. He thought for one moment that, and maybe it was Devin Booker calling him soft and he was trying to prove otherwise, but he genuinely thought that he could go out there and play like James Harden and draw contact, but he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. Like he was straight up lowering his shoulder, extending his arm, shoving everybody off him, bumping into everybody he possibly could. He underhooked Devin Booker's arm and drew a foul late in the game. You might say, well, like it's working, go with it, but you're, you actually expend quite a bit of energy being that unnecessarily physical, which can lead to dumb consequences like missing free throws late in the game because you have you have overextended yourself physically, beat yourself up a little bit. Um, that or you caused so much. Paul George last night caused so much um, self-doubt in those officials they just kept going back and forth to the table. It screwed up the rhythm of the game. The last 90 seconds of game time took 33 minutes. That type of stuff's going to put you out of rhythm as well, especially when you make three baskets in a row to give the Clippers two different yep. leads. And then all of a sudden you can't make those free throws because there's an eight minute break before you take them. So, I, so I that, that leads to the next thing. 
I hate instant replay. I, I last night just threw me so far off of instant replay. I was like, it's not worth it. It's not worth the headache that it is because because while we want to, quote unquote, get it right. How do you get it right? Like you you would think that instant replay has made things better. So since we've started this whole instant replay going down deep into the the, the minutia frame by frame, do you think that sports has gotten better or that we have gotten closer to getting things more right? Or do you think it's started more controversy? I think it started more controversy. Like it hasn't lessened it. It's like, no, it went off of this guy's finger. It's, it knocked The guy knocked it out of his hand, the defender, but then it was last on his pinky. Dude, the defender knocked the ball out of his hand. It, it's, I, I hate it so much. It's gross. It makes me just want to live with whatever the human errors are than go through what we went through for 33 minutes for 90 seconds last night. I think one sport needs replay just one and that's football i think i'm I'm not sure that it has made baseball better because the human element was so much a part of the game and i think that baseball fans actually understand that and when you take that element away new people that are being brought into the mix in as far as being baseball fans if there are any um they are getting trained up in a world where things have to be so that they're going to expect that things are gotten right while the people who actually like baseball and hold it down and buy the merchandise and buy the tickets all of a sudden start to hate the product. So it's an affront to the people who are always show up basketball fans. I always thought did a pretty good job of understanding that when you go to a game or when you watch a game, you are playing against the refs and the other team. Yep. It was always an understanding in basketball that like the refs could blow, like you got to be on because the other team could get you or the refs could get you. And that to me always added an element of, of excitement to it. It wasn't until, I mean, th- there were a couple of, you know, d- there was some Joey Crawford stuff, Tim Donahue stuff, obviously the integrity of the game when you have an official betting on games that he's covering and then influencing the outcome of those games, that's huge. And so you, you, um, you know, they, they really, really wanted to clean that up. And that was a big emphasis of David Stearns before he turned over the reins to Adam Silver and continues to be so. But replay in basketball, it's not enjoyable at all. I would rather the pace of the game, which is what makes it so exciting, continue with a bad call so that I can forget about it. Then you give me 15 minutes on a 50-50 thing. I'm going to be upset either way because you either wasted my time or you second-guessed yourself. And I think you, you you see all those old-timey pictures of trapeze artists who like worked without a net. Yeah. Right? And uh, they got to be perfect, right? Because there is no net. And I feel like the quality of officiating throughout sports as more and more people have come to rely on the idea that you can just go to replay has begun to suffer. You're seeing officials second guess themselves. You're seeing officials not necessarily feel like they have to get the call right away because they can go to the scorers table or whatever. Um, It feels like things are getting worse. You have to acknowledge that the intent was good, but what happened last night can't 
happen again. Were, I get they they got to run more commercials and make, were, maybe make more three, money, but there were three calls that I thought impacted the game tremendously. The first of which was when Devin Booker was driving to the hole. They called offensive foul. He like touched Patrick Beverly. He fell out like he fucking died, dude. And, and I was just like, come on, bro. Like, stop. Stop with the madness. He, he just fell on the ground like, oh, my God, my, my face. It was worse than campaign with with Jokic. Worse, worse than that. And that was bad. It, it wasn't even as bad, though. It wasn't even as bad as the offensive foul that Booker got called for right before that. Yeah. Where he what? went up in the circle, didn't touch anybody. Because at least on that one, he actually got Pat Bev with his forearm. Pat Bev sold it with an well, acting job. So good yeah, for him. Problem but was, before that, though, when he went up in the circle, they didn't even touch. And Booker got whistled for an offensive foul. Yeah, but the problem with that call was, is that with what they called the offensive foul on him was the fact that they didn't make a call. They just stopped play. They just stopped play. They didn't make yeah. a call. Like, it'd be different if they called foul and then they were like, okay, we're going to review it for a hostile act. Okay, cool. But no, they didn't make a call. They were just like, bloop, he, fe- he fell on the ground. Let's, let, let's make sure nothing bad happened to him. Like, bro, like, no, you got to fix that later. And so I, I hated it. So it's either call foul or don't. That was the first thing. The second thing was that out of bounds where for the history of basketball since Naismith invented it. If you knock the ball out of the defender's hand, you cause the ball to go out of his hand, the ball's out on you. Not he tut not he hit it, but it touched your it was still on your pinky after he hit it. He dislodged it from your hand. It's the other team's ball. Like, it's the stupidest thing ever because it gives the defense, like, some kind of advantage in these replays when in reality, like, that's not the way. It's always going to be out on the other person. And then the reality is it's only like that for three quarters of the game, for three quarters and a half of the game. But then all of a sudden in the last three minutes of the game, we got to look to see if it hits pinkies. For the whole rest of the game, the call is the same. Yeah. And then it's different in the end of the game. It, it's stupid. Um, and then the third most impactful call was, uh, yeah, so it was the offensive foul. Then it was the, uh, yeah, it was the offensive foul. Then it was the out of bounds. Oh, and then the last one was when they went to go review the uh, who it was out on after campaign after he missed that three no bridges after he missed that three pointer with three seconds left. That was the and then it was point nine on the clock. That was the most impactful because the Suns had zero timeouts left, zero timeouts, and that gave Monty Williams time to draw up the game winning play. So all of those plays had a tremendous impact. All those r- reviews which were silly-ass reviews anyway, all impacted the game, which led to the officials being more of a story than the actual game itself. Right. And I I mean, as a Suns fan in that moment, it, it felt weighted one way over the other, but I, but I wasn't upset with the idea that things seemed to be going the – Clippers way in 50-50 situations, I was more upset at at 
the idea that refs can't just be refs um, and that you can go to the sideline for anything and everything. And I'm with you. Basketball doesn't really have an unwritten rule other than that one. Well, they had an unwritten rule that you don't land under a jump shooter. Um, and then they made that into a rule, right? And they emphasized it and they started calling it. The other thing that was the unwritten rule was is if you change the trajectory of the ball, even if it goes like it, as long as it doesn't like go off a leg or something yeah. like that, if you change the director, the trajectory of the ball to go out of bounds, then that ball stays. Yeah. That's just always been the way it is, especially on block shots, especially on block shots, because if you'll notice a lot of block shots are the shot gets blocked. And then the momentum off of the shooter's hand is what carries it out of bounds. That ball almost always stays and it's a judgment call and i wouldn't have cared which way that it went i I just with you i feel like it sets a really bad precedent and it opens you up to the idea of saying why even have these officials you you are officially in sky judge territory yep for sure at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, so, and that leads us to cancel or consequence. 
Do we need to do we cancel? Cancel. Cancel. Or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. Canceler consequence is a section of the show where we say where we talk about things that have happened, whether these people were canceled or whether they received consequences for the things that they did. And today that person is Scott Foster, lead official for the Suns Clippers game last night. He and and my, mind you, for the first time in Chris Paul's career, Chris Paul's team, they were 0-11 in playoff games that Scott Foster officiated. 0-11. They finally won last night. Chris Paul wasn't even in the building, but they finally won. And Scott Foster is getting drugged through the mud through social media and because he inserted himself in, in the game. And you knew he was. It, it was like, and Kane Fitzgerald too, sitting there by the by the monitor, like, yo, let's let's see, yo, let's let's smile, let's. And you're just like, bro, just make the call and go with it. Every damn thing doesn't have to be reviewed in the end of the game. Like, just go play ball. You made the call. Go play ball. I've been weirded out by Scott Foster for a really long time because, like I said, t- the Tim Donahue thing, which I really feel like adversely impacted the Suns, um, and no one can tell me otherwise, even Tim Donahue, um, you know, the, I think that they, the, at one point when they had Tim Donahue's phone records, he had like more phone calls to Scott Foster than he had to his bookie. And so, I mean, it, it, this is true. This isn't like something that I'm making up. And so at the time, I remember being like, oh, Scott Foster has to go too. And I didn't know much about him. You know, the only reason that you ever end up learning NBA referees names is if something goes terribly wrong um, or if they end up with a vendetta with a player. So like, you know, Joey Crawford versus the Spurs or, or whatever else. Um, Steve Jabby, um, uh, Ronnie Garrettson, who is a um, uh friend of a friend so i knew i knew about him but um yeah man it's just it 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 really felt last night like he knew all eyes were on him and he played it up yeah so does does he deserve the ridicule and the the disdain that people have for him right now i don't i would always hesitate to say that anybody deserves what twitter can bring (laughs) um but I mean, he he should definitely be looking inward at this point because if he continues to be, if he trends every game that he is the crew chief, then the NBA has to do something. Yes. Yep. His his name should not be trending just because he goes to work. Yes, his name should be like like the NFL refs typically only trend when like Ed Hockley, when, when he's looking extra buff today or something like that's why he should trend. His pants are too tight. He trips and falls. Like that's why referees should, should trend. It should not be for just because, Oh, well, Hey, yo, uh, it's a Chris Paul team. Scott Foster's reference. You already know, take the bet the other way. Like when, right. when, when bookies, and odds makers 
factor in who's refing, you know it's a right. problem. When when they're like, oh, it's Chris Paul playing against Scott Foster or James Harden playing against Scott Foster, you already know. L, homie. Oh, my God. Easiest money in the entire world last night was Clippers plus four and a half. That was the easiest money on the planet. You knew. You just knew that either the Clippers were going to win or it was going to be it was going to be a one score game. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens um, when Chris Paul gets back. And if Scott Foster is reintroduced oh into the, he will into the process. Him. Yeah, because I. So so will he start an, another Chris Paul streak? But this time, not with Chris Paul losing. Will will he will it go the other way where Chris Paul wins every time Scott Foster refs? That would be even worse. That because then it would just be super obvious. Um <laughs> I think I think they just gotta give Scott Foster a paid vacation. And so I, I would say that it it's cancel cancel culture in that you're that F Scott Foster was trending in Arizona. <laughs> like also all those tweets about he needs security to leave the building. Those make me super uncomfortable because yeah. again, this is just sports. And I get that it means a lot to a lot of people and, and you're entering the, the realm of, is he just bad at his job and a showboat or is he actually trying to have an influence over the game? And I think that if he's trying to have an influence over the game, then that needs to be directed toward the league office, not, jokes about making threats on his life or that the Phoenix crowd is going to go sons in four on his ass. Um, but one thing that we skipped and you got in the Chiron. So I want to get back to it is Stephen A. Smith called Devin Booker. Uh, the next Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant is your guy. Um, I want to know after spending this year watching Devin Booker, how you feel about that? Cause I got some feelings as well. All right. So Devin Booker, is a really fabulous basketball player, right? He is. I think that he's tough. There's some reason why I'm gravitating to to Devin Booker. And that makes me believe that the Kobe Bryant comparison or even just some similarities are actually there. Kobe praised him about his mentality, toughness, all of these things. And Devin Booker didn't get that credit because his team wasn't winning. You know what I mean? Like, like they they talk about that 71-point game like it was a paper game. Like it was just, oh, it was just stat padding, blah, 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 against the Celtics. But the reality is, is that Devin Booker is very much like Kobe. And there's a reason why I'm gravitating to him. It's like a magnetism because I like players like that. Like that, like there's something about that toughness and that grit that I like where I'm like, yo, that's my dude. But that's the same reason why I like Russell Westbrook. I hate parts of his game, but it's going to be hard to find bad words to say about Russell Westbrook because he's my kind of dude. Like, he's tough. He plays with everything that he has. He'll play with a broken foot if if he needs to, broken head, whatever it needs to be done, particularly in crucial situations. He will do, he will shoot all the bullets in the gun and then throw the gun at you and then run out there kamikaze style and try to kill you. But if if it comes to that, like... But he's going to be calculated on some levels. Like, it's not just going to be reckless. So, yeah, and Devin Booker's clutch. You saw it last night. He shot like 
he, he shot terribly last night. He was what four for fifteen prior to hitting that that jumper to the top of the key. Yeah, yeah, and and you're just like, bro. He, and then at the end, and of the he, game, set, he that set the pick. screen. Yeah, yeah he fa- he found a way to win the game, and that's what greatness does. Um, I've been watching Devin Booker for a long time. The biggest frustration with Devin Booker for me this year is listening to people say, oh, he leveled up. He leveled up. Um, Some people just run a good business in a bad location. And and that's that's the fact. Like, I don't feel like anything about his game. His game has improved, but it's the same game he's always been playing. It's fundamentals and footwork. And when he gets outside of himself, he turns the ball over a lot. And when he stays inside of himself, he's kind of boring. It's the boring parts of Kobe Bryant's game. Kobe Bryant took what MJ did. He added range. He kept the athleticism, kept the competitiveness, and he added range to it. I feel like Devin Booker is taking the parts of Kobe's game and infusing it with a knowledge of analytics. These are the spots that work for me. And if I stick to those and I'm patient over a long period of time, we will get better. And he kept that mindset in an era of dissatisfaction, people team hop, hopping. Lucas, three years in, he's already killed a coach. Marvin Bagley's dad has already requested that he be traded. You know, th- th- this this type of stuff, it's tough to, to think of the first five years of Devin Booker's career and then look at year six and say, like, wow, he really waited out all that yeah. to be able to do this. But I will tell you, th- his actual game – has not changed. It's yep. the same. It's just He's, gotten better and more efficient at that at that game. Yeah, he just is doing the thing that works. It's very workmanlike. And so like part of me is looking at him and I'm like, oh I like I see Kobe a little bit because obviously that's who he studied. And Kobe even said like he tried to use my move on me. Um but I also look at him and I'm like, oh it's Tim Duncan who doesn't care if it's flashy and he gets his team involved. And when he stays within himself, the numbers are there. You don't know how he got to them. And the result is a win. Yep. 100% dude. So I am all in on Dev on Devin Booker and the Kobe comparisons. He did it in game one and he's actually going to need more heroics. I think through the rest of the course of this series and on the way to the finals, because I think that they are they're going to have a hell of a time against the Milwaukee Bucks in, in, in the finals. And he's going to have to be that dude for them to win. And if, and if he wins it and puts it up, oh, bro, it, I think it's going to be life-changing for him in terms of career. It's also going to be life-changing for Chris Paul because he'll get that validation that he so wants, he might mess around. He's not going to re- retire because he's going to make a billion dollars next season, but he may not opt out and just say, all right, look, I'm out after ne- ne- next year. I've climbed the mountain. I want to be back close to my family every day again. I'm going to pick up this 48 million though, but then I'm out. <laughs> right. Oh, that'd be hard. That'd be tough to walk away from. Leave that on the table, especially yeah. being in Arizona and paying a little bit lower taxes than than trying to make his way um, to closer to home. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe he opts out and 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 looks at L.A. and says like, all right, well, now that I'm 
now that I got that out of the way, maybe maybe we 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 go finish what we started in the city that we we started in, and that's possible too. Well, well, that's the question though. Can Phoenix keep this team together because Oof. because they have so many guys playing well? Is Aiton going to be happy there with his role, or is he like, nah, I, I want more. I will go somewhere else. Is that, is campaign? Yeah, is campaign? Campaign be- is gone. <laughs> campaign. <laughs> Campaign made himself so much money last night. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy for that dude, especially to have been dropped by multiple teams. Um, I know you hate that upside down LA hat, but you missed it. He wore it for the whole Lakers series. I know. I know. I, know. I, I, I hated him then too. So like that. Hey, he's going to flip that logo around when one of those two teams throws 10 mil a year at him though. <laughs> I dude. guarantee that. And, and then you, you, you had PJ Tucker wear it too. And I was like, <laughs> upside down LA hat bro we'll man we, we gangsters out here in Cali bro we want to hear that hey if people will flip that logo when 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 you throw the 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 full stack at them and I I I just I'm happy for campaign they will never wear that they will them. never wear that hat again if you give uh PJ Tucker who wants a new con- contract you pay him 10 mil a year he will. He will never flip that logo. You, if, if the Lakers pay campaign instead of uh, paying um, uh, Schroeder, oh, <laughs> he yeah, will. No. He, he'll be campaign. in a new era at, at like Lakers, baby. L.A. Yeah. Dodgers all the way, no. baby. Campaign might keep that hat, but you guarantee he's coming to his introductory press conference upside down. <laughs> <laughs> he walked in on it on his hands. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Good for him, though. No, and you're right. That that it, it's funny to be in a position where I'm thinking about like, oh my gosh, they could win a title. Can they keep? Because it's re- the most important thing for Suns fans is Aiton, Booker, and Mikael Bridges. Because I think you can build a wonderful team around those three. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I think that you can probably keep those three, but it's going to be tough to do it. And hold down Paul. And if Robert Sarver gets his ring, I was going to say that's the guy you got to depend on. That's the guy you got to depend on because, because like, that's the thing about the Warriors. The Warriors kept it together because they all were like, nah, this is, this is us, fam. Like, we grew up together. And then there were some times where some hard decisions had to get made, like on Iguodala, um, Sean Livingston, other, other people where they just couldn't afford it some of the ancillary pieces, but the core of the team, they decided we're not breaking up. And can and the Suns gonna, yeah. be you're gonna have a You're going to have a Harrison Barnes situation for sure <laughs> with a couple of these. Camp, campaigns prime, is going to get Harrison example. Barnes money. <laughs> yeah. prime, prime example. He's going to get paid. And granted, he should get paid. I'm not saying that he should take a quote-unquote hometown discount at all. But the team should, but the team, because they drafted Booker, they have his bird rights. Uh, I think they have Bridges' bird rights too after he was traded. And they have Aiton's bird rights. So, like, they have a chance to sign these dudes. Like, this is not an impossible thing because Aiton's only eligible for a rookie max. He's not even, he's not even eligible for a rookie super max. So, because he hasn't made a all NBA team or defensive NBA team, so like, yeah, so, so all of, and neither has Bridges, so they can get paid without 
and still be able to keep them because you're going to owe Devin, Devin Booker that 35% of that salary. He's going to be max, max. Oh, yeah. No, Devin Booker is getting every penny plus maybe an ownership stake. Like he's – yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him around for life. It's going to be tough, man, because at the end, you probably regress to your mean. And I, Robert Sarver is never paying the Golden State Warriors luxury tax bill to keep this team Let's together. See. He's just not. They had the opportunity to win a title when he first came on, and the Atlanta Hawks poison-pilled a restricted free agent contract for Joe Johnson. And Robert Sarver said, bye. And, yeah, but it's and Suns fans, it though. Like, that's the thing about it, though, is that the thing that has made it worth it for the Warriors is how much money they made in the process. Like, they made so – yes, the luxury tax was prohibitive, but they made so much more. So, like, if you're paying $50 million in luxury tax, but you make an extra $100 million, you're still 50-plus million in the in the black. So, it's worth it. So there, there has to be marketing. So your players have to be marketable. They have to be out there and you get that from winning championships. So you it's know. amazing what a championship will do to change the perception of your city too. Cause I know like I, I was listening to uh, Molly Karam, Jalen Rose's wife, who's on first take. She, she said the, the teams that are left is four bad cities. And I don't think she meant, four bad cities. I think she was specifically talking about Phoenix and Milwaukee as two bad cities, but she said there's four bad cities left. She doesn't want to go to them as a media member. First of all, nobody can ever say anything bad about Atlanta. I will, I will not let you. <laughs> I'm not even from there. Like So first and foremost, you can't, you can't be saying that about Atlanta. But I know for a fact that like nobody was talking about the Bay Area like this until no, the Warriors started winning. Nobody. Oakland, they wouldn't, like, no. Oakland was never glamorized like like town business, the OAK, all that. Like nobody was glamorizing that. It was the the team that was embraced so much by the city that made it a fun thing to watch. Right. And if the Suns win a title or the Hawks win a title, you will see attitudes about those two places change. I already feel like the overall attitude about Atlanta is pretty positive as yeah. far as a destination, but you don't you just don't see free agents taking deals to go to Atlanta for whatever reason. Well, cause they, they hadn't been popular. They hadn't been good. It didn't seem like that you could win, but Atlanta is a place you're going to, you would have free agents want to play there because they would want to live in Atlanta. Like there are just advantages to playing in certain cities. Like there's advantages to playing for the Rockets. When you're making $30 million a year, that's three extra million dollars you get to keep in your pocket <laughs> for or that's one million for every ten million that you get to keep in your pocket from state income taxes. Same thing with playing with the Miami Heat or playing. You know, if there was a team, if you play for the Vegas Raiders or you play for the Tennessee Titans or the Memphis Grizzlies, all these things are positives because you get a chance to keep more money in your pocket. Uh, but the next thing up, though, the next thing up, critical race theory. Critical race theory has been talked about so much out here in in the world. Oh, my God, we can't have critical race theory. Most people have zero. Most people who are supposed to be educated on the topic or or because you are a senator, a congressperson, people assume you know what you're talking about. 
Most people who mention critical race theory have no idea what it actually means. But the idea, though, that critical race theory should not be taught in schools or that it creates a victim mentality or anything like like that is foolish to me because I've heard even a guy that I consider a friend of mine talk about, oh, well, well, black people in this victim men mentality. And there is a difference in having a victim mentality and also acknowledging saying that some things were additionally hard for me because there was systematic racism or there were other things in place that made it more difficult. But I persevered and was not going to let that stop me. So the acknowledgement of the additional obstacles is not a victim mentality. A victim mentality is saying there are additional obstacles and I let those stop me. That's the difference, I think. And we actually had um, a general. What's his name, Ralph? Oh, you're putting me put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. oh, so no, I'll, I'll go back through it. So we we've got um, some people testifying on Capitol Hill right oh, now. General, uh, general Mark Miley. Yeah, Miley or Millie. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, uh, Matt Gates, who we talked about on this show and who is always in the news, um, you know, he, he basically pointed to like the military, if they're teaching any of this stuff or if anybody's talking about any of this stuff, that the military is becoming woke. And that's another one of the culture war code words is is wokeness. Right. And, and the idea that you're too wrapped up in invisible overstated battles to be able to live life and just live the life that's in front of you. Um, and it's been weaponized just like critical race theory has been weaponized. And what was interesting about the clip that you're about to show is that, um, uh, that one of these um, people, uh, Congresswomen or, um, or whatever said that she wanted to give general Mark Milley an opportunity to speak on on something that Matt Gates didn't allow him to speak on, and he brings up the topic of critical race theory, and I thought what he said was very interesting. Yep, here's what he said. Mr. Chair, and thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. I know my time is very precious, but I would like to yield some of my time to General Milley because I know that he had some comments that he wanted to make when Representative Gates was talking, as well uh, as Mr. Waltz, about a similar subject of the stand-down and, and race theory. Would you like a minute or so to comment on that? Do you remember what we were, what your line of questioning or thought was there? Um, sure. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding 
having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers, of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. What was your reaction to that? I think the best thing that a person can be is curious. Um, I think that it's natural. It's very natural to fear something that you don't know and that you um, you don't stand. Um, and so, you know, put it this way. I got a lot of friends right now who uh, and in the past, probably for the past 15 years, that if they hear the word carcinogen, which means like a cancer causing agent, agent, yeah, you know, um, which exists in some chemicals and man-made um some naturally occurring um that that the idea of carcinogen carries with it a connotation of fear like this contains a carcinogen therefore it could cause cancer in you um sometimes people try to use that fear for good which was the the height of the anti-smoking stop smoking campaigns um you know that 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 cigarettes contain carcinogens and you shouldn't smoke or you'll get cancer as many people in my family did get cancer from smoking and are no longer with us or it's used um to uh peddle something else or to cause fear to achieve some other means. And any time that there's something that you don't completely understand, and it feels like somebody has a better understanding of it than you do, then you might not want to do the work yourself and you might want to follow whatever that person has to say. Um, you know what is a carcinogen, George? Sunshine. <laughs> like <laughs> being outside um yeah. you know there, there's you know and so i i kind of look at that the same that i have to ask myself constantly since it's always coming up i have to ask myself when have i ever encountered this in real life yeah and the answer is i have not i have one time had one conversation with one person on twitter who said that they learned about that at like the doctoral level in college they believe it and they follow it but in yeah. my real life i have never heard the anybody for any reason ever say i follow critical race theory for x reason i've never even heard it brought up the only time i ever hear it brought up is when congress is saying it's bad yep which means everybody wants to know what it is this Correct. is like when they slap those stickers on NWA albums. I'm getting pixelated again. Obviously, I'm saying something controversial. <laughs> screen's kicking me out. But, but to be honest, like, to be honest, I didn't know who NWA was before it was on C-SPAN and CNN. And then you go out and you listen to that. <laughs> Why you just cut to a single frame of not my face, which is pretty incredible. Um, oh, hey, we're back. So um, I, I just, 
I think probably more people have learned what critical race theory is and research critical race theory based solely upon this unnecessary culture war than would have ever learned about it for any other reason. You're easier to be governed when you're scared. And people on the right and the left who do a really good job of trying to make sure that people stay afraid. And the truth is, all this is, is knowledge. And you should not fear knowledge because you don't have to agree with something that you learn about and it's an idea it has theory in the goddamn name yep and that's the part that people like like people forget is that you don't need to be afraid of something just because you learn about it it's like i'm i'm a christian I've read things about Buddhism. I've read things about uh, I've, I've read parts of the Quran. I've read about other religions as well. The, it only just goes to go service my my knowledge base when I can then talk to people who ask me about my my faith, because if I understand what they believe, I can say, OK, that this is similar to what you guys believe here, here, here. And then we can have a discussion that way it, it increases the floor of my knowledge base. That way now we can actually have even more elevated discussions because there's more knowledge there. It's like if I'm going to go have a conversation with a rocket scientist, then he's going to have to dumb down everything he's saying to, to make little old me understand it. And that, But if he's talking to another rocket scientist and they're talking, they can now discuss the same thing, but in more detail and come up with something new based upon their individual knowledge and knowledge base. So, so it's like, or if a rocket scientist talks to somebody of, of equal, um, equal education in the AI field or some other technology, now they can come together and have some sort of synergy and come up with something new because they deal with this kind of stuff all the time. And the, yeah, and it, it's just the raising of the knowledge floor that I believe creates a better situation for people. And what what you run into that's really tough is when people say, like, I don't want my and I, I think what this always comes down to is like the bathroom bill stuff. Like, I don't want my kid to be endangered in some way. I don't want this for my kid because this is people who are not in school anymore and not ever going to be in school again, worried about what future generations are being taught. And ultimately, most importantly, they're worried about not having control. And it's yes, a fear that dude. I face as a parent constantly. But, but the, but the issue is, is that so many of the people who oppose teaching certain things, they will sit there and let our educational system teach blatant lies about our country and not tell the truth. Like the, the truth is America has committed atrocities against the people who lived here. Like against the people they brought here with black people and like that they discovered like Columbus discovered America or they, they, you can't discover something where people already are. You stole the land. You did this to Native Americans. You can acknowledge that. And until you acknowledge it, that doesn't mean that people are then going to hate the country or don't want to be here. That just says, all right, look, we fucked up. 
we did something completely wrong. We are going to change course. We're acknowledging it. Right. And we's not we. That's Correct. the other thing. We is not we. Like, and that and and that's something that I hear people say a lot. Like, well, I didn't do this. This didn't have anything to do with me. So why should I be involved? Like, why should I be involved in the rectification of sins that I didn't commit? That goes against American principles of my ability to pursue happiness and my own liberty and everything like that. And I I, I do have some sympathy and some understanding for that. At the same time. It's tough. It, it, it's but really isn't tough. It easier to acknowledge something that you didn't do to be like, it should be, it or, should be. And, it, and you should also endanger your family because you're like, oh, well, well, I then have to acknowledge that my grandfather was a, was a racist or that he was a, uh, that my, that my ancestors who built this country, my great, great grandfathers who, who we can trace our lineage back no, he did some horrible things. Like he's still your great 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 grandfather, but yeah, yes, he was wrong with what he did. That doesn't d- destroy your personal legacy. One of the things that 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 has been helpful for me, um, and I just moved. I just moved to Charlotte, obviously, but for the last, you know, for a really long time, I was living um, in the in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Went to a church where the pastors of that church, pastors plural in succession over time and support staff would always say that it is your job on this earth to find a way to live in the tension. You, you have to be able to acknowledge multiple competing ideas at the same time and hold on to those things and understand there are just some stuff that you're not going to have the answers for, but you do have to acknowledge the truth. And, and I think that that's really important when thinking about American history, America is an idea it is a progression um, and an attempt over time to live according to some very, very good principles that were outlined by some very, very smart men who at the same time held beliefs that were probably a lot more in line with critical race theory in that they believed that there were certain races that couldn't accomplish certain things because they weren't, they didn't possess the lineage. Right. And and they followed uh, they followed uh, a Bible that was incredibly um, tribal. You know, there's a lot within the Bible about certain tribes live according to certain customs and that influenced their life over time. Now, that's a reverse historical perspective of a, of a group of people it doesn't take into account um, uh any individual circumstances. And when it does, that's the thing that you have to pay attention to stories like the good Samaritan. When two people who are culturally different come across each other, the ideas that went out and the ideas that are glorified are peace, patience, kindness, charity, grace, those type of things. That's the thing that you're supposed to learn from. And so this idea that people have that critical race theory, um, if it even exists, because again, I ha- I like to think that I have a diverse group of friends who talk about issues of the day, and this has never once come up that one time ever. Um, and, and that that part of it's really, really confusing for me. Um, but it, we should be able to, on some level, acknowledge that things were very bad and things were built out of a place of badness. Therefore, there are some structural issues that need addressed. I moved out to North Carolina. I have a beautiful brick home 
that if we didn't do something to the crawl space was going to sink into the ground and it doesn't matter how beautiful it is or how many trees or flowers or, or, or the grass or the butterflies that are flying around because there are some structural issues that, with this house that needed addressed immediately. And we had to bite the bullet and pay the money to make sure that the foundation was good for us to build upon. And I think that it's important for anybody who is buying into the American experiment that we can all live together, mixed together, forced together in, in some circumstances, and that we can still pursue the idea that everybody's equal, everybody's deserving of liberty, everybody should have the avenues to pursue happiness so long as they don't harm other people. And as long as we're doing that, then cool. You don't need stuff like critical race theory if everybody's on the same freaking page yep. as far as what we should be able to do. But the problem is we built through a faulty foundation you're a little bit darker than me george my dad is also a little bit darker than me there's a reason that my dad came from where he came from there's yep. a reason that when he left the reservation at age 18 moved to a city literally named after a guy that hunted down and killed his ancestors for what they did to general custer my hometown sheridan wyoming is named after somebody who worked hard during the civil war to make sure that the north prevailed and that slaves were freed and then turned around and hunted down people with red skin you have to live in that tension you have to understand that these two competing things can exist because a lot of the bad decisions that we've made came out of a faulty foundation for what this country is still a beautiful place still has a chance to be even better we just gotta we just gotta not get in dumb fights about stupid shit like this shout out to general mark milley eat shit matt gates the end <laughs> at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER if you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, 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 here's the best of social media. All right, uh, now it's time for the best of social media. We have one piece of great social media today, and this is Jameis Winston. And when Jameis Winston is working out, he never, ever, ever disappoints, ever. So I don't know whether he's being serious here in this video He's so there are some bags like the big tackling dummy bags that players use. And I can't figure out. And he is uh, his trainer or whoever he's working with has on, you know, boxing mitts, like not the not the gloves that you fight with, the ones that the trainer wears, then you punch. And the trainer is hitting Jameis Winston's arms. And while he's circling these bags with the football in his hand, I'm presuming because Jameis Winston fumbles the ball too much. But here it is. I don't even know what I saw, Ralph. I don't even know what dude I've never in my life seen a quarterback do that before with that. He was like, jerk, like jerk. It looked like he had a shake weight in his hand. Dude. But did you like it? Dude, I, this, I enjoyed it. Dude, that was this enjoyable. is like watching Dak do that thing with his, with his, with his hips. But it looked like Dak knew what he was doing. Yes, and then everybody else started doing the Dak thing too. So quarterback coaches teach the Dak thing. But this, I, dude, this didn't. This looked more comedy than it looked like actual football move. Oh my gosh, that I feel like is what would happen if if I took my kids out in the backyard who've never even thrown a football and tried to like run them through some type of quarterback drill. Yeah, I love Jameis so much. Please start him. Somebody yes. please. Somebody please pay and start this man. I just. Yes. I, I, I want to be him. entertained on a Sunday. Yes, dude. James Winston has to be the quarterback of the Saints. Um, now, though, it is time for your questions, comments, emails, text messages uh, to us. You guys can always hit us up. 818-293-7547. Or I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. All right, Ralph, what do we have today? All right, we got we got three questions via email. The first one made me laugh. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw it out to you and let you give the update because we didn't talk about this beforehand. Um, but here it is. It says, uh, "How is the diet going? Are you guys not bringing it up on every show because you already quit?" <laughs> okay, so for anybody who doesn't know, me and Ralph are on a weight loss challenge and. I don't believe in diets. I believe in lifestyle changes. If you're going to make a because diets don't work, if you make a lifestyle change, that can work. 
And for me, I'm down eight pounds already. I oh have my been God. I have been walking on a daily, oh well, almost daily basis. I got some hand weights that I'm out there walking with, like and you know, and trying to trying to do it, changing some of the things that 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 I eat, um, making sure I'm not drinking a lot of calories, primary beverage, water, occasionally something else, but water. And um, yeah, so I'm down eight, eight pounds, still can't quite run yet the way I want to, but I'm about to get down about a dub before I can start running. But uh, yeah, so I've not quit. Where are you at, Ralph? Uh, it, t- it took me a while to get organized because, uh, like, right when we started, I had to travel for a week. And, like, traveling and changing that's, anything that's is brutal. Because yeah. I'll be in Arizona and I'll get a text from somebody that's like, hey, I didn't know you were in town. I know it's one in the morning, but there's a place nearby that's open. You know, and then you're like, oh, I got to go eat some nachos. Save. <laughs> I have to. Oh, it's tough. But I will say that since I got back, it's been about a week. Um, and the standard that I'm trying to keep to is at least 13 hours between meals, dinner to breakfast, um, which I've been able to do. Um, no more sugary drinks, which I'm a big soda fiend. I can quit for like six, seven months at a time. But then the hot weather hits and just not like we've talked about this. Uh, um, a Mexican Coke when it's above 90 degrees is heaven for me. And so that's done. I'm on day three of that. Um, and, uh, and then the other shakes. No, 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 no. Cause I still caffeinate. It's the sugar. Oh, well, we'll see because I don't, I'm, I don't think I've ever really tried to give up. It's uh soda and ice cream are, are my two biggest things. And I'm on day three of no ice cream, day three of no sugary drinks. And I feel okay. Um, I'm swimming every day because I watched Mad Men and I remember that Don Draper cured alcoholism by going swimming like twice. <laughs> so <laughs> you lost a you lost a headphone there. Um, it worked for him and, uh, and yeah. So I've, I've been swimming the last three days, putting time between dinner and breakfast, and I mean, I'm I'm going until until I hit the goal that I'm 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 trying to hit. No sugary drinks, no ice cream, and I'll probably eat ice cream every day because you're alive. Why would you not? Ice cream's incredible. So uh, to it, go, it, it's my drug of choice as well. Yeah, to go about eight months, and uh, one of the last time, I, one of the last times I hung out with you, that's the first thing you did is take me to your favorite ice cream spot. It was amazing, so, though, right? It was. It was really really good, and I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not having it for at least the next six seven months. So. Oh, anyway, I'm down three pounds. If okay. if, uh, if if we're we're accounting for things, um, you definitely got me beat in the in the short term. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. Not Correct. that either one of us could do either of those things right now. <laughs> dude, I just want to be dude because once I get all these pounds off, dude, I am racing my 15 year old son. He's been challenging me to a race, and I'm going to dust <laughs> his ass. All right, cool, cool, cool. And All right, Terrell so, Davis challenged me to a race too. Oh my goodness, that's he, big time. He looks the part, but he's old. Can't <laughs> beat me in no damn race. <laughs> well, I won't be racing anybody. My goal is to uh, my goal is to be able to uh, tie my shoes without sitting down. Anyway, um, next question uh, that <laughs> that was emailed in. Um, I'll save I'll save the controversial one for last and just get into this one. Um, you guys have good chemistry, email says, but um, how did you meet? Obviously, Ralph is from 
Arizona. George lives in California and went to Oregon. Uh, how did this podcast come to be? George, you want to take that one? Yeah. So we met over Twitter. <laughs> I mean, that's literally how we met. And then the first time we met in person was at the Pac-12 Media Day. And and then Ralph was like, hey, yo, can I can I interview you? I was like, all right, cool. And then he was like, yo, I'm going to do a Pac-12 podcast. And I was like, yo, what are we doing here? Let's do this. Like, we we just made fast friends. And we started doing the Pac-12 podcast together. And then that morphed into a great friendship, into Rice or Wrong, the Unafraid Show, unafraidshow.com, working together. So, yeah, dude, this is just so that's the origin story from do you have anything you want to add to it? Uh, just that we met because you did an interview with Rudy Carpenter. Oh, yes, your boy. I reached out to you on Twitter and I was like, hey, man, uh, this guy is often misunderstood and a lot of people don't like him. I thought you put him in a really good light and I appreciated the interview that you did. Um, now I think I'm firmly in the party of <laughs> all of those people that I was referencing at the time. Uh, but it was still a good interview and people should go back and check that one out. Okay. All right. <laughs> the reason why we met is actually like turned out you were like, yo, yo, he made somebody who's misunderstood sound sound great. And then you're like, oh, wait, never mind. I'm one of those people now. <laughs> yeah, I got I got four people locked on Twitter and uh, and he is one of them. <laughs> wow. All right. Anyway. OK, Lat. All right. Last question via email. This one looks a lot less uh, um, happy to be here. Um, but like I said, if you have grievances, I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. We will address them on Reister or Wrong. Um, but people want to know, George, when is your bombshell uh, story that's going to change the course of college football dropping or why hasn't it dropped yet, I guess, is the more appropriate way to phrase this question. Yes. And, and I think that that's a question that a lot of people have. First of all, the idea that what has come out already from Arizona State is not significant is crazy to me. It's significant. Like, and there is a dossier that has not been made public yet. And if it is made public, it is going to make it very difficult for the Arizona State staff to keep their jobs. It, there are a lot of people who don't want this information out, but particularly because of the timing, because of what it would do to the program, to the conference, to a lot of other things as well. So and, but there are people who are working on this as we speak. So we are in wait and see mode. To see who who prevails, the the, the, the powers who want to keep this a secret. Or the powers who uh, the investigative journalists and the actual journalists who are unearthing all of the details of these things. Yeah, I mean, I, some of the criticism that, that you've gotten and that I've gotten is um, is interesting. And I've, I've considered it as we've as we've gone along. Um, you know, I think that it wasn't it wasn't our story to tell we knew about it before it was happening and now people want to know what else we know but at the same time want to get mad at us for alluding to the fact that there were things that we knew and so it part of me it depends on the person you're addressing and what their grievance is but part of me continues to be like well which is it 
do you want us to just come out and tell you everything so that you can tell us that we're wrong and that we're making it up? Or do you want it to be from somebody else who you believe to be is more credible and vetting the information and on, on stuff that they believe um, should and should not come out. Um, I know people were, people were upset about the idea that I alluded to um, one of the background accusations being that, um, that people were influenced to not report on recruiting violations, their head immediately went to, well, then they had to be recruiting reporters, which within the the confines of Arizona State had to be one of three people. So I'm accusing those three people directly. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I was acknowledging background accusations. And then when when it came down to it, and after getting a phone call from one of those people who said, like, it's it's offensive that you put it out here in that manner, I took that into consideration and I apologized. It doesn't mean that I'm changing what I what I heard. And it doesn't mean that what I heard is true. There's a million different things that we've heard. And, you know, Doug Holler, who is the one who broke this news, went on Sports 360 Arizona with Brad Sessman. And he said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he also heard that he's not necessarily it's right, right now. It's at the point of what you can prove and what you can corroborate. Some of the stuff that I've been able to corroborate, I'm not really in a position to report on it the way that Pete Thamel and Doug Holler and Bruce Feldman are. And some of this stuff, I'm still, you know, looking and, and, and listening. Well, um, see, and I, I think the biggest thing is that you have to understand what lane you live in, which is we get on here and we speak our truth based upon the facts that are that are out there and available and things that we know that aren't necessarily public inf- information. And you have to understand that being an opinionist is completely different than being a journalist that that there are that you won't get Pete Thamel or um, Stu Mandel or some of these other people giving you too many opinions. Right. They're going to give you. All right. Shams is going to give you facts. Right. Woj. They're going to offer a teeny tiny bit of opinion based upon all of those things. But theirs is. Like there's two totally different situations and are they as entertaining? No, because their calling is different. So you have to understand that there are two different jobs and I choose to live in the lane, stay in the lane that I'm in, because when you get into the breaking news business, it's it is a tough, tough world. It's about who's first, all of this stuff, as opposed to having opinions about these things that you know based upon privileged information that's different right and the first domino falling in people ratting out their own people when it comes to ignoring covid protocols during a pandemic despite what your fandom deep down inside you is telling you is a really big deal and it could change the course of college football and as far as legacies are concerned, we've talked about on, the, on this show, there are very few people that are more important to the coaching community, especially the African-American coaching community, than Herm Edwards. 
And that's just a fact. And so, you know, we're in a situation right now where people are looking for somebody to be upset at. I don't know if you've seen Kevin Mawai's mentions, but they are wild, Um, you know, and other people that they believe might be attached to this in some way. I can't speak to the Kevin Mawai thing. I've never had a conversation with him. I don't have any relationship with him whatsoever. You know, I always was under the impression that some of his stuff that he would favorite and retweet put him in a position to probably no longer be on the coaching staff. Um, I I didn't know that that there was any of this going on. I didn't find out about any of it until right before it was released and so i mean i I regret i think i definitely regret inserting myself into this story in any way because a lot of people have said that we did it for clicks and attention when i knew immediately when this came out the only thing that this could bring was pain i'd spent five six years when i was covering arizona state i'm not anymore i'm not acting in the capacity as a journalist at all um but i've spent five or six years covering arizona state and i was like good all that goodwill is about to go out the window just because i know about something right before it gets released i could have shut up i could have not said anything and uh, and 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 didn't make that choice and now we're just kind of living in the consequences of that and all that's fine, um, but I do want to say that if you are frustrated, be frustrated, but direct it at anybody who might have put you in a position to be frustrated. I oh. didn't. George didn't. Pete Thamel didn't. Doug Holler didn't. For some reason, go people, talk to the people who did it. Right, and and that and and again, a lot of this stuff needs to be sussed out and needs to be proven. But I I will tell you just on background alone, the stuff that I have been able to verify as far as people not necessarily living to the spirit of a lot of the rules here, especially with whistleblowers and with documentation, it's it's more than credible, and yep. and there's going to be consequences for it. And if you want to be upset at the fact that there are consequences, then that belongs, that anger belongs to the NCAA. It doesn't belong to anybody else who understands what the rules are that they were violated and what the next step might be. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you guys, that is Reister or Wrong for the day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you guys on Friday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.